Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. Twin Peaks is over 30 years old. There's so much more to learn about Twin Peaks. I, we recommend you pick up our book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book, to find out even more about the show that you love. We have tons of great stuff. We have over 100 interviews. We have commentary from the community. We have us. We have some great photos that have never been seen by most folks. I think if you're a diehard Twin Peaks fan, you're going to absolutely love this book, and you will definitely learn something new. So pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. I've got idea you take me Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to talk more at the news section, but hey, we've got a release date. You weren't here last week for the whole thing. I had to work. I had to leave. So we got that release date. I can't wait. We'll we'll wait to the news section to talk more about it, but how exciting is that? Uh, that? We... This show is jam-packed with sweet, sweet Twin Peaks goodness, and I honestly cannot wait to get started. So with that being said, let's get started, Ben. Let's get started. <laughs> Before we get into Log Lady time, I think we should double up. We now know when the show is coming back, and we can get through these Log Ladies a little faster so that we can get to the end of the Log Lady when the new series comes. So let's do two every time we do these shows. Sounds awesome. All right, so it's Log Lady time. Even the ones who laugh are sometimes caught without an answer. These creatures who introduce themselves, but we swear we have met them somewhere before. Yes? Look in the mirror. What do you see? Is it a dream or a nightmare? Are we being introduced against our will? Are they mirrors? I can see the smoke. I can smell the fire. The battle is drawing nigh. I'm really amazed that uh, this intro is happening on episode four here. Yeah, I mean, for people who haven't watched these episodes, and maybe the first time it was on A&E, or Lifetime. Bravo. Bravo. So maybe... You know, people wouldn't know. And but this but, feels so much like a second season where we're talking about mirrors and we're talking about yeah. the creatures. And it definitely seems, I mean, I guess now that we've gone through In hindsight. Whole, in hindsight, we know that we're kind of talking about uh, Bob and maybe Leland. Or we can now Ex- even say Cooper yeah. and, uh, you know, what do you see in the mirror? Do you Does Cooper see himself or does he see Bob? Or Yeah, I, I see this as going towards that Leland thing and the mirror and... Yeah, I mean, it's, it is crazy how early on this is being said on the Log Lady. Yeah, and how I, did Lynch, why did Lynch decide to post, put this now? I like that we have the fire and and we have the this battle in this the creatures and it's it's something very mysterious and it like I said it feels very much like the second season. Yeah, and she doesn't mention the the smell of the oil, the black 
burnt smell. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's something that would go along with the... Uh, Goes along with the, the opening of a gateway. Yes. <laughs> so. To the Black Lodge. <laughs> I play my part on life stage. I tell what I can to form the perfect answer. But that answer cannot come before all are ready to hear. So I tell what I can to form the perfect answer. Sometimes my anger at the fire is evident. Sometimes it is not anger, really. It may appear as such, but could it be a clue? The fire I speak of is not a kind fire. The log lady is so cryptic. She is. <laughs> so what do you think on that one? This is episode five, Log Lady intro. She gives information that she thinks people can handle. And because a lot of times she does come off very cryptic. Mm -hmm. She gives you pieces of what she wants you to have. And she's not going to give you anything more that's too much. Yeah. That makes sense. What I thought was interesting is that, so this is the introduction for episode five, and in episode five, Cooper and Doc Hayward and Hawk and Harry all go to the Log Lady's cabin. So they have tea with her. So and this is very fitting because she talks about, like, the devil hide. And she gives them the information. She gives them the information about fire, but very, it's like, I think it's like her first time she's mentioned the fire. Yeah. And so it's, it, right, this is really the first hint at that this darkness or this evil that exists. And her husband, do we get, in, we get indulged about her husband as yeah. well. And that might be a bigger story than what she's going to let on. Yep. There could be way more to that. You mentioned the husband. Mark Frost did a great job of mentioning the, the husband in The Secret History of Twin Peaks. In The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, he was a fireman. And I think mostly on the show, he was the, always a, woods. a, a woodsman, a yeah. lumberjack guy. Yeah. But in The Secret History of Twin Peaks, he basically, Mark Frost says he was both. That's plausible. Is, I mean, very plausible if you're... If you're somebody where it's not your full-time job... Well, volunteer. Volunteer fireman. So I think... I thought it was really cool. Mark Frost did a good job of basically saying, yeah, he's a woodsman, but he also helps out with the fire department. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting what she said, and this is the episode we get to hear some backstory from her. And now, guest of the week. So we're on the phone with James Morrison. He's actor, he's a director, he's a producer, a musician. Uh, he seems to do it all. Hi, James. Hi, Brad. You know, I know you from 24 as uh, Bill Buchanan, as that character, but uh, you've done so much in like 30 years or so. I mean, it's really impressive, all, all the work you've done. Yeah, yeah, I've been around, uh, kicking around for a while. I have you on the show to talk about Twin Peaks, but I, want, I really want to know more about you and the things that you're involved with. So I think maybe towards the end, we'll talk a little bit about Twin Peaks. How did you get into music and writing and acting and producing and directing? I think it came from my early teens. I started to recognize what it was that certain artists were doing to me and how they were making me feel. And, mm. you know, I, I started to listen really closely to the lyrics of Bob Dylan, and I, I started to recognize how certain movies, when I saw them, would make me feel. My sister took me to a, see a play, but we were just speaking briefly about uh, Miguel Ferrar mm. and how, how sad that is uh, yeah. that we lost him so young. But... She took me to see a, a play that his father was in, the Damn Yankees, wow. when I was about yeah, 12 years old. And I saw them on stage doing this musical about baseball, which I loved. And, mm. and I 
I saw the combination of feelings that being revealed to me that I'd never felt before. Uh, mm. And I just, and I finally started going, I wonder if I can make people feel the way these people are making me feel and how I would do that. I guess that combined with a natural tendency to sort of want to be the center of attention <laughs> that I'd had since I was a kid uh. sort of combined to, to make me feel like I had to explore ways to, to express myself. And, and, but also, you know, try to make people you know, feel something that maybe they mm. weren't feeling before. Because I, I know how I appreciated that, that getting that from performers that I admired. So mm. I think it was a combination of stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I definitely see that in, in your acting work. And I've only recently learned about your, your music work. And I'm really impressed by it. And you're, you're the kind of musician that I really love that tells stories. And I, and I really like that about your work. And yeah, I'm just, I, I'm really impressed by what, what you're doing with the, with, when it comes to the music. Oh, thanks, man. You know, it's funny you should say that because faced with the, the opportunity to stand and perform my, my songs for people, you know, and this is, I've been after for 40 years, so I have mm -hmm. no fear of, of standing up before people and doing a play or working in front of people. That's, my, that's what I do for a living. But when I'm faced with the task of standing there and singing a, a, a song, if I start thinking that I'm singing, I can't do it. Oh. I have to prepare myself and say, you know, man, you're just going to go tell your story. You know, you're just mm. going to tell this story. It just happens to be to this tune that you're going to, and you're going to accompany yourself on the guitar, and you're going to, you know, in some, some of the words you might speak in uh, different notes and different tones and stuff. But if I start saying, you know, if I start thinking that I'm not singing, man, I can't do it. Wow. Terrifying. But, you know, my favorite singer-songwriters are storytellers. I mean, you know, Springsteen, guys like Pete Townsend. You yeah. Know, they, they tell stories. Dylan, you know, Leonard Cohen, he's they, all of them. Oh, yeah. They're storytellers. And so from the time I was a kid, when I would first hear guys like Marty Robbins and Johnny Cash, and I mean, these guys are storytellers. Mm, you know, they, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that moved me, you know. Yeah. I don't know why I think of Paul Simon. Paul Simon's a great example, too. I yeah. Mean, they're, they're, they're storytellers, you know, and the, and the folk tradition. Guys like Burl Ives, and I remember I remember this great story that my friend Pat Hingle told me. He was like a father to me. Mm -hmm. He told me a great story about how Burl Ives, the, the folk singer, performer, was cast as Big Daddy, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. And that's what I ended up doing with Pat. That's how we met. He did Big mm -hmm. Daddy. I did Brick to his Big Daddy a couple of times. So Burl Ives was cast by Kazan to do the Broadway production. And he wasn't an actor. He was a, he was a singer and a story, mm -hmm. you know, a storyteller. He would stand out and face the audience with his guitar and sing a song. And then he'd tell a story and sing a song. So when he was acting with somebody, he would just face the front, face face the audience, and talk to the person next to him. Very bizarre, <laughs> uh, as, you, as you can imagine. Yeah. All these actor studio guys that were you know trying to make it real and stuff. Yeah. And so Kazan had to fashion the play around his form of storytelling, and they created this sort of operatic version of this play huh. that, that actually became a big, you know it was a big hit on Broadway. But it was it was fashioned around that sort of ideal of storytelling. You know, like it was very Buckbean fourth wall came down and, and the audience was involved and it was very strange for the time because yeah. you know the 50s when all, all this this new sort of style of acting was being explored and isn't that something? Um, yeah, so I've been listening to Son to the Boy album. Your music is something where I just want to listen over and over and try to get more sense of the meaning. Like, I'm listening to Two Wells. I don't know what Two Wells is about, but I like the song and I'm thinking about it. When soldiers drop their weapons Gathering together for peace The water in the wells will deepen The river will never cease When two wells drown the fear 
I think it's wonderful that you're standing up and that you've uh, made this song. Thank you for doing this. Thanks, man. I think you're going to see a lot more of that now. I think artists are going to step up and I think you're going to see a lot more uh, civil disobedience. I hope you're right that other people will start coming out and voicing their own opinions. You and your wife produced and directed this documentary called Showing Up. Can you share with yeah. me a little bit about that movie? Yeah, yeah. We wanted to make a, a film that using the audition as a, an allegory for uh, what you have to do to, to get what you're after in life. And, mm. I, and I think what we discovered was, and what everybody seemed to, to come around to and what the consensus uh, turned out to be, everybody auditions, no matter what you do for a living, you're in some form or another, you're auditioning, you know, you're putting yourself out there to the best of your ability with as much preparation as you can mm. um, to, to, to possibly be rejected or accepted by somebody else. Try to do that time after time when the door is slammed in your face mm. uh, is, is what actors and, and performers, writers, artists, it doesn't matter what, musicians, it's what we, it's part of what we do for a living. It's in the job description. Mm. So I, I wanted to create something uh, ultimately that somebody could see and, and go, yeah, you know, I feel this, that guy feels the same way I do. And I, I really admire his, uh, 
his work or her work. And so mm. I feel suddenly I feel better about myself, but you know, I feel like, wow, I, I, I'm not alone. You know, something you don't see in the papers every day is a, is, is an ad for wanted short, bald, middle-aged men to pretend to be other people. You don't see that. It's like walking in a room and standing there, have people look at you and then you have to pull down your pants and turn around and then you wait a while until they tell you it's okay. Then you pull up your pants and you try to gather any dignity while you buckle up and then you walk out of the room. There were times when you just want to say, here, hand them a brochure and say, this is what, I, this is what I'm like, get back to me. I, for one, happen to be one of the freaks in this world that loves to audition. I don't think it's very fun sometimes. <laughs> I love auditioning. Love it. I hate auditioning so much that I don't go in on anything. A lot of great actors. I mean, it was really impressive, all the yeah, actors great, that you got great, to interview. Great actors. Yeah, the, and, and just work, you know, working actors. You know, mm. just not, not big, big, huge stars. Some of them are, you know, doing, doing pretty well now since we made the movie. They started mm. to work a lot more. Christmas scene is doing a lot of work using it. Mm. Um, but most of them are just, you know, solid working actors. That, uh, just working stiffs, you know. Yeah. And that's what we, we just wanted to write a sort of a love poem to the working well, I really, I really liked it. My wife and I uh, watched it last weekend. We really enjoyed it. And what I got out of it really seemed to be about these these people. They just want to be respected and valued. I mean, and, and that's really what I think any of us want in, in looking for a job is that people, you know, treat us right. And I, I, I really thought it was something. It was really interesting. Like, you know, they tell stories about standing in line for hours just to get seen and then barely, you know, even noticed. Yeah. You know, you know, speaking to that, I have a dear friend uh, who's a casting director. You have an A-list casting director. We were talking the other day at lunch and, and, and uh, I said, so did you see La La Land? Hmm. And she, and she said, I went to see it with four of my casting director friends and we hated it. We all hated wow. it. I said, why? It was, so, it was, I mean, it was a really, just a love story. And, hmm. Really well executed, you know. The act, the actors are fantastic. And what was the hate? And she said, "Oh, that, those auditions." I mean, they. And I said, uh, <laughs> "But that's that's how it is. I mean, they're not. That's not how it is when we audition for you." And it's the truth. I mean, she's hmm. literally one of the best. Hmm. And and she doesn't make you feel. She treats you with with respect. She doesn't make you feel. Chris in, in La La Land goes yeah. through these horrible auditions. Whatever she's interrupted and she's she's not valued. And I said, you know, that's not how you do it. But that's how it is. I mean, that's that's ninety yeah. percent of the auditions are are just horrible. Wow. <laughs> they are. Wow. When you have one that you walk in there and you go, wow, this person really sees me and they're treating me like you know a human being, not just another actor, not just another piece of meat. That's a big deal. How did you get these actors? I mean, some of these actors are almost break, they're breaking down. They're always crying for, from the whole process of, of doing this. It's, it's really incredible to see. And I'm just curious how, how you were able to get them to get to open up and share their experience? Well, you know, some of them did and some of them didn't. And, mm -hmm. and uh, But what we discovered right away, we went to New York, talked to the first round, it was Kristen Chenoweth and Jack O'Brien, a, a dear old friend of mine, the only person who's, who's not an actor who's in it, actually. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that first trip to New York, we didn't exactly know, you know what we were doing, really. We just knew we were going to talk to a bunch of actors and see if it could reveal itself to us. And so we talked to B.D. Wong, we talked to Steven Spinella, and these guys, I guess because they, they felt comfortable, they felt safe to talk, mm. started revealing themselves and how they really feel, and because that's what we do for a living. Yeah. I mean, as actors, we're not only storytellers, we're enlisted to portray every emotion that the story calls for, mm. right? To be completely open and, and reveal our feelings, or not, depending on the story. I mean, but that's our job. 
It's almost like when somebody says to me, I hate those, the whole idea of trigger things. This triggers me, and I can't do And I go, I never understood that, because that's what I do for a living. I, I, I get triggered for a living. You yeah, know? yeah. I, I read a thing, and I go, oh, that, that makes me feel this, and I have to huh. feel... You know, you know, I mean, we have to yeah. live in this imaginary world and be triggered by these things that have nothing to do with our lives. And so these guys were triggered by this. When, when I would talk to them about how does it feel when you go into a room and we, you know, we started just having a conversation hmm. and, and they were so revealing that when we looked at the footage, we said, okay, this is what, this is what this is going to be. This is going to be something completely different. This is going to be the real deal. It's not going to be, here's what it's like when an actor walks into a room and we're hmm. going to show a room and then we're going to show somebody <laughs> talking to a casting director. That's why there's no B-roll in it. Yeah. I like it. I like that a lot. I yeah, like that. It's, it's, you know, it's like yeah. a testimonial theater or in a courtroom if you cut away from the person who's doing the testifying you're not going to be able to see if they're telling the truth or if they're or what they're really thinking or Mm. feeling so we just have to stay on that person i think that's more interesting than cutting away everybody's seen an audition room really Mm. it's just a room showing up is uh, available on itunes and on amazon and google play and it seems like you can get anywhere you can rent it or uh, buy it so had you seen twin peaks before you got involved with it Oh, buddy, I've been a David Lynch fan since I saw Eraserhead mm-hmm. in 1978, I think it was. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Eraserhead, and this sort of tells you something about my personality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen Eraserhead 10, 12 times, I don't know, wow. over the years. I just, for, the, for a while there, it, my life was very, too similar to Eraserhead to, to actually be healthy. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad I got past that phase. But I've always loved his work, and I've always wanted to work with him. It was a, like a bucket list. You've had many different directors in your work. What was it like being directed by David Lynch? Well, like I said, it was a dream come true. And so you just yeah. completely submit. You just go, man, here I am. I, I don't know if I'm still alive. Is this heaven? A lot of times you're working with people, and they say something, and you go, yeah, I'm, okay. You, you say yes, but you go ahead and do whatever you know needs to be done to, mm. to do the job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The storytelling that Mark Frost and David Lynch are known for is so unique that you just have to completely submit and uh, trust that uh, wherever it's going to take you in the final product is, is going to serve that vision because, you know, it's a very specific vision. And, you know, as a fan, you know, it's just, you can't, you can't second guess it. You can't go, I don't know, maybe this would be better. No, it's, you, you have to go with whatever they give you. And I mean, if I was going to teach an acting class, that's what I would say about anything, really. You have, you've got the story and that's the most important thing. It's, it's more important than how you feel about life. It's more important than your politics, you know, your love life, your sexuality, your, your bank account. I mean, and, and, how you want to come across to the world, I mean, mm. especially, you know, you want to get yourself out of it. You want to serve the story. And, I, and, it, and their world, as I said, is so specific. You just go, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm in it. Take, you know, let's go. And so you were involved with the audiobook of The Secret History of Twin Peaks, um, Mark Frost's book. Yes. Uh, yeah. what, what was the process like for that? I think Mark Frost was actually probably involved with you. We're kind of old friends. I mean, mm-hmm. we've known each other for a while. We're very close. And he said, you know, I'm going to do this thing, and you want to do a thing? And I said, yeah, great. Send it to me. I would love to. And so he sent it to me, and it ended up being a really nice part. And so I was kind of surprised. It's like when you get the thing, and you go, hey, you want to do a play with me? And you go, yeah. And they send you Hamlet, and, they, and you're going to do Hamlet. You go, what? Wait a minute. Are you sure you're thinking of me? Yeah. I think he must be, he must be thinking about somebody else. Uh, but no, it turned out to be good. I've never done an audio book, so it was a really interesting process. Mythology precedes our access to historical or scientific fact. And we know now 
fulfilled much the same function for earlier civilizations, providing meaning in the face of a remorseless, indifferent universe. But in the absence of scientifically verifiable fact, it is necessary to sometimes view them as one and the same. So it is best to start at the beginning. So signed and duly sworn, the archivist. You pretty much read most of the most of the book. I mean, you were in the majority of almost ten hours or so of reading. I mean, like that. No, I know, I know. I seriously, <laughs> I had to call the, the publisher and say, "I turned some kind of mistake." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had about a week with it before I had to read it in the studio. How yeah, long does the studio work? We did in one day. Wow, that yeah. is impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's been about nine hours. Wow, that is something else. So, I know. Yes. <laughs> I can, that is a day. Wow, that's a lot of reading. So it ends up we learning that you're Major Briggs, and I wondered if did you go back to the old show and study Don Davis's character of Major Briggs? No, you know I watched it when it was on the air right. twenty years ago, and I knew uh, of his work in the show, and, and I went back and did listen to his voice for something that I could connect to, but mm. I. But I he decided that I wasn't going to try to do him or do an impersonation of him. He yeah. did such a specific thing, and he was so wonderful. Mm. You see, it's funny. Like I always think voice acting is very different from you know being in front of the camera. And I'm I'm really impressed. Like you could feel your performance, and you were in in that character so well in, in the book. And I I had friends who was like right away when they listened to the audiobook, oh I know who that is. That's <laughs> Major Briggs. But it's just because the way you were able to perform through your voice is so impressive that you really did become that character. I thought. Oh wow, that's pretty nice. Thing to say. Appreciate it's, that. Yeah, it's so true. I'm so impressed by your work. He did have a specific cadence to his speech. Also, that falls to Mark. He wrote for that character. So, to me, again, submitting to what he had written. He wrote the rhythms and the syntax was, was specific to that character. So, I think that's probably what they were hearing rather than anything that I was doing. Moving on to 2017, the new show. I, so, you have your documentary showing up. Can you share with us what the audition was for the new Twin Peaks? It was uh, an interview. I uh, went into for the casting director. She said, we're, gonna, we're not going to read anything. We're just going to sit and talk, and we'll talk about anything but show business. And I said, great. So anyway, we sat, I don't know how long we talked, a half hour. You know, just had a conversation. He just wanted to see who I was. I just tried my best to, under the circumstances, you know, to be myself. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you had and, Jonah and, Ray, if she was there. Yeah, yeah, that's who it was. I didn't hear anything for about, I don't know, three months, I guess, and I was... You know, kind of disappointing because I thought, mm. you know, you let it go after a while. And uh, I think right as soon as I just went, oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I got a call. and uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and you know, I got to say, Mark is one of my best friends. Mm. Uh, I, I have to say that, but w working with uh, David was uh, just spectacular. He's a, such a wonderful energy on the set. And, uh so kind and encouraging to the actors. It was really lovely to see him and to, the, and to his crew and, and to everyone. Wow. It was lovely to, to be there and to share in something that uh, I've always thought was pretty, pretty special. That's Twin Peaks World. Definitely. And you, you probably didn't know Miguel Ferreira, did you? I didn't know him except for my experience with him on Twin Peaks. And it was brief, and uh, mm. but he was a lovely man, and, and I just offer my condolences to his family. Yeah. Um, it's always, you know, it's always sad when... When we lose when one him. Of us dies, yeah. When we lose him, uh, you know, unexpectedly. And, uh, you know, I lost my my parents. They were young when they went, uh, yeah. when they passed, too. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to end on a, on a sad note, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just happened. We just learned about this, and it's I think it's it's shocking to us all. And, I, yeah, we wish his family well and, and, and 
and then this grieving process that they're going to go through. Certainly. Well, James, I really appreciate your time. I, I mean, I really, I've learned a lot more about you. I really enjoy uh, showing up the documentary about auditioning. Your music, your music is something I can't wait to uh, to listen to. I don't know you, so you can you can get it on iTunes and uh, you can go to your your website. Can you do you want to plug anything? Do you want to mention uh, your website and and you're on Twitter? Twitter is James P Morrison, and the, the website is jpmorrison.com. Well, thank you, James. Yeah, thanks, Ben. All right, we're on the phone with Francine, the Lucid Dream. Hi, Francine. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. So this month, uh, you have the Miss Twin Peaks pageant again. Can you share a little bit about that? That's right. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's our sixth annual Miss Twin Peaks pageant at Joe's Pub, Saturday, January 21st. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it because this is going to be the last year before the new Twin Peaks comes out. Yeah. So. We awesome. may have new characters next year. Wow. And I think you've started introducing uh, who's going to be in this year's pageant. Can, can you share about that? I did, yes. I'm in the process of announcing it. So far, I've announced some of our, our fan favorites, of course. Uh, we have Matt Knife, who will be our Wyndham Earl. <laughs> we always have him. In. We are going to have um, Foxy Vermouth back, and she does her tribute to Lana Budding Milford. Huh who is actually the whole uh, reason behind us doing this, this pageant is the uh, the contortionistic jazz exotica. <laughs> nice. From, yep. from the Miss Twin Peaks pageant. Yeah. So I feel that that's an essential one. Uh, we're going to have a log lady. We're going to have Audrey. We may have more than one Audrey this year, actually. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we're, we're throwing out some new things in there. We have a, we have a trio of dancers this year. But yeah, we're, I'm excited. It's gonna, it's, we're going to change it up a little bit. It's going to be some new characters, but we're going to have the fan favorites, of course. Is tickets available? How how can I get a ticket? Oh, yeah. You can buy tickets to the pageant at joespub.com. There's a long, long link, but you can find it. It's uh, Saturday, January 21st, which happens to be the day after uh, David Lynch's birthday. So mm. we, we're very close this year. We always we always do it around David Lynch's birthday. Nice. It's also close to my birthday, too, so yeah. <laughs> it's very convenient. <laughs> That's awesome. And most years, I think every the, the past several years, they've sold out. So I, you probably would want to recommend if you if you want to go to this event, you should probably get your tickets now. A hundred percent. Yeah, it, it sold out the past few years. And last year, I think it sold out a, about a week before the show. So wow. I highly recommend um, getting your tickets in advance. Uh, the other benefit of doing that is that you can choose your seats at Joe's Pub, which mm -hmm. is really fun. So you can nice. actually select where you're going to sit. But the good seats tend to go fast. So I would say get on it now if you can. I think we all need some fun in our lives right totally. now. Totally. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We really do. <laughs> Francine, next year, I promise, oh. hell or high water. You're, hear you're hearing it here first. <laughs> uh, we, Ben and myself, and if we can get a group of people, we'll definitely go. I know for me this year, I can't. And, you got and, a lot. You're trying to move. Yeah, and I got a lot going on. But I mean, okay. next year I'll, I'll hold you to it. Yeah, yes. next year I will remind him about yes, this. Yeah. I, I promise. I, I really want to go. And now. Twin Peaks stories. So we got, uh, there's so many things we can be talking about now. I mean, there was David Lynch eating a donut for a trailer. <laughs> that was cool. That was cool. And, and we learned from the TCA announcements that they're not going to do typical trailers. I mean, and they're not going to like, you know, you're not going to see probably footage. Of, I love that. I love that too. We don't need it. Great. I think every you could do you could do a, a 
a like each each character could have their own little I'm drinking coffee or just doing something random that has nothing really to do with the show. And, yeah. Yeah. And in Lynch fashion, I believe a trailer for such an anticipated show that's surrounded in secrecy, one little frame of anything could mm. really ruin it. Yeah. I kind of like these little snippets. And yet, yeah, it was that, that that cast trailer. It seemed like maybe they showed you a little bit. You saw those G-Men. I don't know if that was part of, of the app show or if that was just guys walking or something. But, or know. they're the people looking for... Well, right. it, it take John Belushi yeah. and those guys. Oh, like, are these guys being called in to look for Cooper? Or something. Or There's something. something going on. We didn't see Cooper walk. I mean, we saw him in we, his... Ty. Yep, and, and he suit, was hanging out with David Lynch. We didn't see him walking with that group. Right. Which is interesting. And during so during the holidays, uh they Diane tapes there because we got available for digital. Yes, finally. Finally, I, I know. I have it on my phone. <laughs> I mean, for so long I've just had that cassette tape. And uh and you, you actually usually if I wanted to listen to it, I would go to YouTube. Somebody had yeah. put it up on YouTube. That's but it was awesome. great. I, I got an iTunes card for Christmas and right away I was like, ah, I know what I'm spending my money Me on. Me too. <laughs> it's like five bucks, four yeah. ninety nine ninety five or something. Yeah. And it is, I mean, a lot of it is 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 clips from the show, but there is some new material and this was done by Scott Frost, Mark Frost's brother, who actually wrote the dialogue for for this uh and and Kyle McLaughlin did the voice work for so it. So cool. So cool. So what did you think of it? I mean, well, we had done we had had we had done clips of it on the show when we were going through the episodes. Yeah. But you got to hear the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I I heard a lot of it before, but it's it really complements the book, his book. I actually enjoy this more than the, his book. I mean, the book yeah. was good, but I right. like this cuz you hear his voice yeah. and you hear the tape and right. it's, you know, it's cool. But it's very enjoyable, and I recommend it to anybody who's getting ready for season three. Yeah, cool. And I listened to it in the car, um, which yeah. is cool. And it's a quick listen. It goes by so quick. Yeah. So, I mean, it was avail- it's available on uh, Amazon, iTunes, uh, pretty much uh, Audible. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like three ninety nine. so 4 bucks. You can't beat that price. No. I'm trying to remember originally. It was at least $10. When it was a cassette tape, so it's cheaper now than it was 25 years ago. I mean, yeah, everything's cheaper now yeah. digitally. So last week, Ben, you got to do a panel with some of our buddies. I had to step out to go to work. I did listen to the show. Yeah, and you guys brought up some awesome points mm. and awesome conversation. And if yeah, anybody awesome. hasn't listened to it, I highly recommend stopping now, listening to it, coming back. Yeah. Um, it's so amazing. I mean, I always sometimes great. I want to pinch myself that we get somebody like Brad Dukes and John Thorne and Scott Ryan and David Bushman and Francine, all these type of people on the show sharing their knowledge. I mean, that's just mm. incredible. Like, sometimes it, it was I, cool. And I loved a lot of the theories and stuff. Scott Ryan brought up one. It's interesting because he thinks that season three could just throw away everything and go in blind. Don't refresh yourself. Right. But I, 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 I think I'm going Except for the film. He's saying you can watch the film but forget everything else. I didn't, I didn't mm. get a chance to – I didn't want to – I didn't want to talk too much on the show. But I think at one point he said he didn't think David Lynch even watched, I don't know, was it episode 15 through 28 or something like that, I think he said. And I, I didn't say it there, and maybe it's not fair for me to say this now, but I feel like – David Lynch saw this whole show, I think. I think he saw the whole show because he did the Log Lady. Even though the Log Lady intros are... That's a good point. 
Uh, yeah, even though the log leaders are very abstract, abstract, they're yeah. kind of abstract. I still feel like he used a lot of times he would use stuff that was in the sh that episode and kind of weave it into the log lady. So I feel like, I feel like if he was going to do these Bravo intros, that he had to rewatch them. And then I remember him giving his points, saying how he didn't like Cooper dressed up in uh, flannel. Mm -hmm. and so he's seen it. So I mean, I remember if anything, he was criticizing it, and we learned from Harley Payton how he wasn't happy with some of the direction it was yeah. going and how he had notes for the directors and they would do it at 11 at night, the night before they were going to shoot and stuff. So I do, I I like to, it's not fair because Scott's not here, but I do want to say I feel like David Lynch did have a part in this and I'm going to be re-watching Twin Peaks. I actually, just starting this week, I'm going to start with maybe two episodes a week. And so I'm going to try, I don't know if my wife is agreeing to this, but I wanted to watch Sunday nights at 9 p.m., the time that's going to be the new series is going to come out. Interesting. And watch it for two hours every Sunday until we get to the new season. And it doesn't quite add up. I want to pin off of the Scott Ryan comment. I agree. Like, I understand where he's coming from. For me, I'm definitely going to rewatch like you, but I'm going to skip. I've always said if I watch it a third time, I'm mm. going to skip after we find out who the killer is. That that episode after when they have that nice conversation in the park, that episode, then come back when Dale Cooper does the recap, those yeah. five episodes. You don't need those five episodes if you've seen them already. You say that, but is, is, in those five episodes, is that the time where uh, there's the whole... There's the whole Cooper gets hostage and Denise saves him. Is that part of that? I mean, there's a couple. Yeah, I, there's I a couple know, there's good some ones. Gems. I but I might to, skip those uh, and go. And I really want to watch Fire Rock with me. Yeah, I'm kind of you know. And another thing about <clears throat> news is uh, it, we're, we're, there's so much going on. But <clears throat> you know, there's the whole uh, vinyl record and they're doing the re. They're Fire Rock with me. Yeah, they're if they're putting in selected theaters. They're putting Firewalk with me. Yeah, and, and the, it's like the, it, clo the closest one is in New York, and yeah. it's like. Oh, God, well, it's funny because like I think there were two theaters in New York. One of them is sold out. I think the other one hasn't sold out, but it's it's on a Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. and and it, yeah, there's no way. Yeah, it's like four hour drive, drive. for us. Yeah, <laughs> a four hour drive for a movie I can watch at home. But it's not the same experience. I know, but I know. here's the thing: last thing about this is I really hope that it's it's released in theaters come August because August it will be the exact 25 years since Firewalk with Me came out. So or we can just rent out the theater and play it ourselves. Let's just do that. Let's have a big <laughs> uh, let's have a big party and rent it out. So I want to go into prior to that, um, segueing into the, uh, a very interesting conversation you guys were having, and I just wanted to um, I actually agree with a couple uh, couple people that were on the panel about this. We have episode one and two, and then Showtime will be streaming three and four that night, mm. which is basically an advertisement for their app to get you into the Showtime webpage. That's and, what you think? Yeah, I believe so. Um, because HBO did this when True Blood, I used to, we used to watch True Blood. True mm. Blood was a big show at the time. And season episode one would air, and you can watch season two on our HBO Go app. Uh. And I was just like, well, I, I'm just going to wait till next week. Mm. But they would, after the show, they'd say, you can go to our webpage or HBO Go, and you can watch episode two. And I really feel it's to get you to subscribe to Showtime or get you onto that app because this is a new business model. Mm. I personally, because of this show... And it's Lynch. I will watch episode one and two, and I'm going to wait a whole week for three and four. 
So here's what I'm concerned. No I feel way. like I I'm can't gonna, do it. I feel like I'm going to become you for uh, season three. Why? Well, you, you at least when we first started this show, you would skip ahead and you would watch lots of them, and then we would only be on like one week. We only did that for a little bit. I know we, we only did yeah, that for yeah, a bit, yeah, yeah. but I'm saying that because like, can I resist for a whole week when I know that two episodes are available? Here's why. Because we're going to be doing this show kind of like I know we're going to. Have to I, I don't know if I can resist though. Then you're going to be. What if the world ahead? ends? What if the world it's ends tomorrow? Gonna end. It's not going to. We can like we're going to have to come in and record two episodes about episode one, episode two. Yes. And then then the following week we have episode three and four. I know. I don't want to get into that pinch where I might start. What episode was that from? I'll be like, oh, Brian will be like, this is my theory. He's like, well, I think you're wrong because <laughs> I, I already saw, saw it. <laughs> So Ben, you have to be in the same page as me. I know. Maybe we need we need to record earlier so that I can right away go home and watch the next episode. I don't know what we're gonna do, but yeah, I yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. But, but I think Scott Ryan has a great point, and I do agree with him on this. You guys were all talking about this. I do agree. I need time to digest. And yes, I I I'm part of the binge watching culture. But I have friends who can binge watch ten episodes in a weekend. I can't. I watch two a night. Mm. Like, like each, uh, you know, the night of. I watch two episodes a night. Right. And that was awesome because I had a day to talk about it sure. with someone, and I had to think about it. Sometimes when I watch a show too quickly, it all becomes a blur. Right. And you forget stuff, and then all of a sudden you just. Like, with Twin Peaks, I really want to enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. I don't want to rush to the end. Oh, I agree. You know? So I kind of... Right. I wait but that week of... Is it, uh, is it a... Mar- it probably is just a marketing Yeah, it's tool, a marketing right? tool. It's Because it's it's, it's they're not going to do it every week. They're just right. doing it for that week. Right. Um, so to me, it's a marketing tool because... Who knows? Showtime I, could do free weekend. Yeah. Right? Right. Oh, you like Twin Peaks? You, you're invested? You're four episodes in? Hey, why don't yeah. you uh, get a subscription? Right. I don't know. And they mentioned on the panel how like they were comparing it to where were they four episodes into the the original series. And it's funny that it would it would have ended with the dream sequence with the little man in the red room. And so it's kind of funny to think back as like, wh- you know, what are the episodes? Mm. You had the pilot. You had episode one. You had well, actually, I can't count the four. I guess I should say four hours. Pilot one. So two, the three. pilot was two hours if you counted commercials, and then you had episode one and you had episode two. So yeah. at the end of episode two, you had the red room. So it's kind of thinking like, if I could watch four episodes, which I'm not going to watch right away, but if you did, what kind of crazy things are going to happen in those? And I think maybe that was John Thorne's point a little bit was that like maybe Showtime was concerned that there's going to be a lot of weird stuff. And maybe that's going to turn people off. But if they get to watch enough of it, they'll be like, "Okay, this show is all right." I did. I yes. I I did agree with what John was saying there. That's a good point. Um, I think they're all valid. They're all a valid points. And we come. We grew up when you had to watch a show week by week. Mm. And I think that's what Twin Peaks is all about—the conversation, the community. But it's also going to allow the newcomers who are used to watching a couple episodes. They could watch all four in one night if they mm-hmm. wanted to, and so it's kind of giving uh, something to everybody. Yeah, I also think that you know, uh, I think they they have this thing where the press sometimes gets shows early, so they get to review and talk about it. So in, in a way, this is a way to allow the press to be like, oh, you can do a write up about episode three, but we're also sharing it with the public, so it's you know, mm. yeah, and. It also here's the drawback. If I don't watch three and four, 
can you make it through social media? That's the other. That's thing. that's a. I mean, and I think that was Scott's point. Scott's taking the day off, the next day off. I I thought it was funny, but now I'm like, maybe I need to take the day off. I might you take the I, whole week off social media until I watch. Right, we'll, we'll take the day off. We'll record the episode, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we might have to. We might have to. Um, but I might take the week off social media. And not worry until I watch three and four. I can't do that. I don't know I, if no, I can do three and four in the same week. I gotta wait. Uh, I and for the podcast, I'm doing it for the podcast. <laughs> for the love of the podcast, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. You know. Yep. What I say now, what I do later, are two different things. You got four minutes. You have four months to change your mind. Yeah. So whatever I'm saying now, things could change. But right now, my mind is just telling me. For the podcast. For the podcast. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know. I can't. I've waited 25 years. If it's, For you, if, I understand. I've waited this long, and it's like you get to the end of episode two, and it's like, oh, that was really good. And I'm not saying I'm going to watch it all in one day. But I can, say, I can say the next day, I yeah. can see myself being like, I'm kind of just hanging around, doing nothing. And I just know that I, if I wanted, I could sit down on my couch and start watching episode three. That is a hard thing to resist. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's going to be hard for you to resist, yeah, too. I yeah. think that we, we can say whatever we want. It's going to come Wednesday, right? And you're going to be walking by your TV and you're Ben. <laughs> it's Cooper. <laughs> you should watch three and four. What? And- Sherilyn Fenn's going to be in episode <laughs> three? <laughs> It, all of a sudden, you're going to walk by your TV. It's just going to turn on by itself, and yes. it's just going to start playing, yes. and you're going to sit down and watch. Yes. I know. It could happen. Uh, so, And now, community feedback. So, Ben, it is now time for some community feedback. And you can email us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com, just like Paul Meredith did from Halifax, UK. UK. Yes, all the way from Halifax, UK. I like saying Halifax, so I'm going to try to say that as much as possible. <laughs> okay. Hi, Brian and Ben. I thought I would send you an email to say thank you for the entertainment and enjoyment you have provided me since I began listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped a few weeks ago. I saw the trailer for Mark Frost's Secret History book. And after pre-ordering, I realized that my Twin Peaks knowledge was a bit rusty, as it has been a few years since my last viewing of the series. I downloaded an episode of your podcast along with a couple of others, and after listening to each, quickly ditching the other two shows because the rapport which the pair of you share made yours a much more engaging engaging. Listen. Oh, thank you. That's nice to hear. It's very nice. He continues. I started at the beginning of your list of podcasts and followed Brian's journey through the episodes. Proved to be dramatic in its own right. My favorite moment came in Unwrapped Episode 14, Season 2, Episode 9. The 119 mark, which we have a clip. We'll be playing it momentarily. When I thought Brian had deduced that Leland had killed Laura only for him to then state that Bob may have been the victim. I'm sure <laughs> that during that moment, Ben is holding his breath I am. while the cogs turn in Brian's mind. <laughs> the funny thing is that, like, I, yeah, it is amazing that I didn't say, like, oh, you figured it out. <laughs> well, hold on. I want to play the clip because then we're going to go into it. Now, this, is, this brings up a lot. Like, I briefly listened to this, right. and I was like, 
I don't remember. I don't remember this either. This and, is going to blow our minds. Right, and, and the person who sent us this actually did uh, yes. p- uh, put this clip together and email it to us. So I, we appreciate that you did that too because I don't remember this either. Life's a blur. And so is this show sometimes. But check this out. Lee Wynn killed Jacques very easily. Like, he killed Jacques. He was pretty happy afterwards. <laughs> he had no remorse. So would Leland... And since Leland has admitted that he's seen Bob at a cabin, yes. What if Leland killed Bob in that house? Wow, that's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And killed it because he did something weird. That's cool. Or, he, but as a kid, like, because he was a boy, right? He was a boy. So he, he's a boy, and uh, right, and maybe like, he killed right. Bob there. Or maybe he forgot that he had done it, or like he's he's kind of like. Yeah, he did this ter- terrible act, and he doesn't yeah. want to remember, remember that he did that and stuff. Yeah, I think be- that's awesome. I think because that's really why would cool. you kill? He killed Jacques with no like. Right. Even if you thought uh, someone killed your daughter, killing someone else might make you feel good for all of ten minutes, but then afterwards you realize, well, now you're a killer, not him. He was just like dancing and jumping around. <laughs> he's happy. So, yeah, maybe he killed Bob in that house. And Bob, for some reason, is haunting everybody. Right. Oh, but it doesn't seem like he's haunting the family, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, right now yeah. he seems to be uh, Sarah and... I mean, Cooper's seeing him, too, but, I mean, he's got... But he's a strong with, sender. He's a strong sender. Sender and, and receiver. And <laughs> receiver, right? Oh, classic. That brings back memories. I do know... I do remember... You did have this theory for a while that the Palmer house was haunted. I feel like in several episodes you come up, it's like, the Palmer house is haunted. Well, it did feel that way because Maddie saw Bob. Right. And Sarah saw Bob. Right. Laura didn't know. It is a creepy. It is a creepy. I mean, you see these night shots of the house. It was a very creepy disturbing house. Yeah, I mean I mean it is in retrospect. It is a creepy place. But before I knew that, yes. And it's interesting that I say how I, you know, Leland killing Jacques with really no remorse really showed that how easily he could have killed anybody. Right. Yes, so it is so funny. I was you're pretty so, close. You're so close. You're like, oh, he's, he's figured it out. So do you remember what you were thinking when I was saying, I mean, we can hear a little bit what you're thinking, but do you remember when I was saying, like, you want, you were holding back. I mean, you played into it, like. Oh, Bob is haunting them. That you know, and you kind of went with it, which was really good. Yeah, I think. I mean, I really thought you had put it together. I really, th- I, you know, I actually, I really thought all the way up to, up to the, the point where we found out who killed uh, Laura Palmer. Yeah. I thought you knew. Like I, like you and I would like look at each other, and and Brian would be like, "I know who killed Laura Palmer." <laughs> oh, you you do. Yeah. And like, okay, he's he knows it's Leland, and then we get to the episode, and it's like. What? No. no! I thought it was Ben! But yeah. it's like, for the longest time, it's like, oh, he knows. And like, and but I still kind of bite my lip and I'm like, I can't say anything. I gotta nod and just let him experience this and see where we go. And I'm glad because we were rewarded with you not knowing. Yes, <laughs> and compelling podcasting. Yeah. Yes. In this wonderful email from uh, Paul. And Paul continues. So this is his experience with the killer. Mm. I first watched Twin Peaks when it originally aired in the UK on BBC C2. I assumed it had already showed in the US because of all the advertisement, um, and it was gripping the nation. Um, I was still at school, perhaps 16, 17 years old, and I remember how I was desperately trying to avoid spoilers. There was no internet back then, so it was a little bit easier than Mm. it would be now. Uh, One pupil 
with whom I never saw eye to eye, told me in advance that Andy was the killer. Ah. Now, if someone told me Andy was the killer, right? Uh, that would be, it would be too cliche. It would be like that, um, the the dopey guy who's really the smart, mm. cunning, but he's pretending. Right. Kind of a Scooby Doo ish. Thing. It would have been. I, I don't think we would have saw it coming because no. he cried. He seemed so sensitive, and to find out that he was really uh, bad, like, for like his, a mastermind. Yeah, right. He's like, I've been doing it all along. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been like, you know, I did it for you, Lucy. I did it for, for the baby. <laughs> yes, I did it for the baby. Like I just picture Andy looking in that mirror, right. and then drawing on a evil mustache, turning to the camera, and there's Bob, and then he would have been the killer. That's Laura, how I see Laura it was going to expose Andy for who he truly was, and he had to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy was the real hero of Twin Peaks. Oh. Uh, fortunately, uh, he goes on, I was so mad at him, but I didn't let him know. I told him that I didn't believe him, but I wasn't sure. Twin Peaks had seemed so crazy c- compared to other shows at the time that it could have been true. Mm. Best wishes, Paul, from Halifax, UK. Thank you, Paul, for such Thank an you, awesome Paul. email and going through the trouble and reminding us what we sounded like back then. Because we do a show every week. It yeah. does become a blur. We've and, done 80-some-odd shows now. And, yeah, you know. and I can't even believe, like, just listening to that just blows my mind. I you've, love it. You've come a long way, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I have. Whew, man, I'm glad I know who killed Laura Palmer. <laughs> Is it, I, you know... Sometimes on social media, I do get upset, and I don't say anything. I'm not, not going to say anything, but I do get upset when people do post photos yeah, that gives it away. Me too. And I've seen that a couple times. Um, and I try to not to retweet anything that would give it away. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, there's some cool images, of course, of Cooper and Bomb, and there's all these cool things, but it's like, you know what? There's so many new people that are seeing it for the first time, time. and I'm not going to be the person to, you know, yeah, to, yeah. to spoil it for them. Yeah. So, Ben, guess what we're on now? We're on Tumblr. Tumblr? Yes, we're what on is, Tumblr. I'm too old for this. What the heck is Tumblr? Well, I just found out myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know what Tumblr was. Uh, Showtime was having a, um, you could submit artwork of Twin Peaks mm. or podcast or what have you. And our good friend from Reddit, um, who's a supporter of the show, sent me a message. Hey, Showtime's doing this. You should you you can submit your podcast. Yeah. So I logged in. I had to create an account under the Twin Peaks Unwrapped uh, name. We are on Tumblr. It if I had to compare it to anything, it is like the Pinterest of its photos, mm. gifts, um, links, and what have you. And it, it's kind of presented in a Pinterest kind of way. Yeah. Um, a big Twin Peaks community is on there. Yeah. Uh, for gifts and artwork and original artwork and cool. like a lot of cool stuff. So I will be posting um, some shows, photos mainly, I'm sure, artwork or whatever we get. And I'll share it on our Tumblr page. Awesome. I mean, I'll try to be as active as I can. Yeah. Um, our Facebook page. We're moving on up. I think we're going to hit that uh, 350 very soon. Cool. So I thank everybody who's liking us on yeah. uh, Facebook. How's Twitter going? Twitter's awesome. I think we're very close to 10,000 followers or so. Wow. we got to celebrate. Yeah. This is going to be pretty cool. 
Silver with I mean, pie and I, coffee. I love the community on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, they are the greatest and stuff. I'm, I feel like every day I'm meeting new people and interesting stuff. And, and that's a lot of times how we are able to get guests on here, just talking with people that we think are interesting related to Twin Peaks. Yeah. And same goes with the, the Reddit Twin Peaks community. Uh, very, I'm on there. I'm active on there. And everybody's super nice. And, yeah. Um, really cool. And now that we're in Tumblr, I'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. And... You can email us, of course, at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. And iTunes, we're kicking ass on iTunes. Keep those five-star ratings coming. Leave us a comment, and we'll, we'll get us or one of, one of the other countless Twin Peaks podcasts mm. in the top 50 for season three. Yeah, and it means so much. I mean, it means so much to us that if you can give us those five stars, you can give us a, a review. It doesn't have to be a long review. It's just, you know, tell us what you think of our shows and stuff. And it means so much to us, and it, it helps us build, uh, you know, the community even bigger because new people are able to learn about our show through iTunes. You might get your comments read on the show. Yes, we're, we're, uh, definitely. We'll read as much as we can. Um, so over the holiday break, I go on the YouTube and I go down the rabbit hole of uh, musical acts I like. That's what I do. I annoy the hell out of my girlfriend. It's a great time. So there's a band called Bastel. Uh, they have an album, Bad Blood, that came out in 2013. Their new album is out now. It's freaking amazing. But anyway, I'm on there and I'm playing all the videos just because I love their music and I'm on YouTube and whatever. And I'm like, Laura Palmer? There's a song called Laura Palmer. Hmm. And I was kind of confused by that. And I was like, really? It's off Bad Blood? I go on my phone. Sure enough, I've heard the song a million times. This is the technology. I'm so used to when I was a kid, you buy a CD or a record or a cassette. You'd open it. I would stare at it, listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Now my phone has changed my listening habits where I put the earbuds in. I generally don't look at song titles. Hmm. I just don't, never do, really. Wow. Unless it, a song stands out and I'm like, I want to know the name of that. I couldn't tell you song titles. And I, it's, it's like phone numbers. You yeah, don't remember yeah, phone yeah. numbers anymore. Right. Um, it's something I don't like, something I want to fix. Uh, but anyway, so they recorded the song back in 2011. It was a B-side and then it actually came out on their 2013 album, Bad Blood. And before that, there was a, the original recording was off of Other People's Heartaches Part 1. It's a mixtape Bastel would put out, and they would be along with other um, artists or remixes and stuff. They did this song with Ralph from a kill, To Kill a King, and it, they called it Falling, hence Falling, the, the, the theme song to Twin Peaks. Yes. And then they renamed it Laura Palmer. And... It's interesting. Now that I pay attention to the lyrics, it's very, it, it's like, wow, eye opening. Hmm. Um, this is what Lewis Corner of Digital Spy said about this song. The track is immersive and inspiring from the popular show, from the blood racing beats to the haunting echoes. What a year, what a night, what terrifying final sight, put out your beating heart. Smith's ass as the American victim in his sonorous vocal tone. Before I burst into a swooping chorus as compelling as the series itself, the final result not only serves as an ear-friendly ode to Twin Peaks, but is sure to strengthen Bestel's very own cult following even more. So we'll just leave with that song. 17 weeks till, uh, till we get to new Twin Peaks. <sighs> I 
countdown has begun. Yes. Oh, man. What are we going to do? We should have a countdown in the notes. 17 more weeks. <laughs> uh, All right. See you next week, Ben. See you next week. Are we going to be like our parents? It's unavoidable. It just happens. What happens? When you grow up, your heart dies. Who cares? I care. Walking out into the dark, cutting out a different bar, led by a beating heart. All the people of the town cast their eyes right to the ground It matters of the heart The night was all you had You ran into the night from all you had Found yourself a path upon the ground You ran into the night you can't be found But this is your heart Can you feel it? Comes through your veins. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Feel it.